Yo, yo, yo. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Cult America, where we discuss the weird, wonderful, and worrying rituals and sacrifices that make America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native that is born to the cult that is America. And I'm Lisa Shallot. I brought into the cult from afar. From very, very far. From very, very far away. Yes. We really should have made this a video because your faces have been on point today. Incredible face. The face card is (laughs) never declining. Today we're talking about the Founding Fathers. Which is going to be fun because I know only about the Founding Fathers through Hamilton. That's it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and maybe like National Treasure, which I'm sure isn't that factual. Well, you know, they're all like, they all make the Founding Fathers like superheroes. It's true. It's true. Yeah, the guys who made the country together for... For better or for worse. So speaking of which, America Occult, this group headed west seeking religious freedom. The pilgrims. <laughs> but also the Latter-day Saints, the Mormon oh. religion is what we're going to talk about. In oh, terms they of went west-west. West. They went west-west. Yeah, yeah. And they have a really similar relationship to their president, their historical, like, Joseph Smith kind of yeah. founding story, which is, that story is wild. How much do you know about the foundation of Mormonism, or Latter-day Saints, I should say, they don't like to be called Mormons. I'm actually not incredibly familiar with them, but I just know that they run a lot of money on Wall Street. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah, like like the Latter-day Saints like run mad Wall Street money. That's wild. Yeah, they have like huge institutional money. Like we're talking billies. That's super interesting. Yeah, it's not even a game with them. The foundation of their religion is pretty wild and like i'm mostly going from memory here but joseph smith was like this like awesome storyteller and he started like writing a book and then it kind of turned into a religion somehow it was all he was just trying to make money he was just trying to get by and he went out into like the forest with this dude who was his like financial backer and he had his hat like this seeing hat and he's like i've got these tablets in this hat but you can't see them And I'm going to read from these tablets. They're going to translate to me with these special like glasses or something. And then you're going to scribe it down. And like, this is like the word of God. And like, the idea is that America was really like Eden and that indigenous people in America were like punished by God. And that's why this, like, it's, it's super white, super, super white religion. Um, And yeah. And so this guy's wife was like, this seems pretty fucking weird. So she stole one of the transcripts and was like oh we lost it you'll just have to say it again word for word and joseph smith was like turned around and was like well you know you've made god really mad now so he's gonna give me a slightly similar but like kind of different book this time and everyone's like wow this must be real (laughs) so that's the foundation of the religion oh like a very america-centric version of christianity it's a super interesting um religion i had no idea how much money they have so yeah yeah the latter-day saints folks it's yeah they got bags yeah that's uh like they're well known around wall street for carrying big bags that's wild yeah Yeah. my sister lives in utah so she spends a lot of time with latter-day saints but hasn't been converted yet so ah okay let's hope that doesn't happen well i don't know maybe one of these rich latter-day saints (laughs) well now i know they got money maybe i should be encouraging her so the cult behavior this week is the group displays an excessively zealous and unquestioning commitment to its leader and whether he is alive or dead, regards their belief system, ideology, and practice as the truth and as law. Yes. Which yes. I thought was very, yes. very much for the Founding Fathers. The Founding Fathers. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, Samori, our audio engineer, would tell you, me and Samori, we went to, we went to law school together. And when you take constitutional law, they always say, from the framers of the Constitution, we must look at it from the perspective of what the framers wanted. <laughs> and the framers are the founding fathers. Like, that's who they are. Like, And there's this whole area of law, this whole view or interpretation of the law that what they call textualism. That's what it's called. If you look at the Constitution based on the words that are said, and from that interpretation of the word, then you are a what they call a textualist. And also they do um they when you when you analyze the law, they do like statutory interpretation or like what was the concept behind the mind of the person who wrote the original statute or original law. And so like you'll read like some Supreme Court decisions and they'll say like back then this is what it was like. And this is what they meant. So since this is what they meant, the decision on a woman's right to choose is this or whatever. Yeah. You know, plain text. text. (laughs) You're here. You're like, yeah, you're, you're everybody in the audience who has a law degree right now being like, I know what you mean. It's plain text. (laughs) Screaming at the podcast. (laughs) This kid must have failed con law. (laughs) I actually have one of the best grades in con law. Oh, well. That's for you guys who are listening. (laughs) Um, So very much their words are still law even 200 plus years after they've written it. Yeah. And the place is, the world is a completely different place. Completely different place. Yeah. So there's a a different group of people who believe that the Constitution is a living document and Mm -hmm. should be interpreted for the life or the world that we live in today. Yes. Those are folks who are like more kind of liberal the liberal side of the court but like there's been some funny supreme court decisions based on some like funny analysis like people literally went into a dictionary and was like this word means this as a result this is the decision like it's like clarence thomas is like that sometimes Um, (laughs) so it's interesting for us to like revere them that way yeah and when i think about the founding fathers i think about how like they were like promoted to me when i was a kid like, when I grew up, these guys could do no wrong. Like, you think about, like, George Washington and the cherry tree and the mm. fact that he couldn't tell a lie. I don't know if you know that story. I've heard the expression, he couldn't tell a lie before, but yeah. that's it. So, like, George Washington's dad gave him, like, an axe for his birthday. And he chopped down a cherry tree with this axe. And, it like, his father saw the cherry tree on the ground and was like, yo, George, did you do this? And he was like, I can't tell a lie, Dad. I chopped down this tree with my new pickaxe. Okay. <laughs> and it's like... This is a story that... Okay. And like, this is about a founding father about when he was a kid. Yeah. And he can't lie and shit. Because I know when I was six, if my mom or dad came in the room and was like, who the fuck chopped down the cherry tree? I was growing cherries on that bitch. I'd be like, yo, it was that kid next door. He was fucking wild. <laughs> Yo, he was wilding. All right, cool. We got the fingerprints. It's your fingerprints on this pickaxe. I picked it up after he dropped it. Uh-huh. Like, I see. I see. But George I'm Washington, he would never do child. George he, Washington would never? He would never lie. Okay. He's George Washington. You know? So, like, you think about that, and you're like, all right, cool. Or just you think about, like, how we're taught 
about like the constitutional convention and we're we're, we're kind of taught that these guys just kind of went down they all had the same like thoughts in their head and they were like we're gonna work together in peace and put it together you know what i mean and then we're gonna save everything and it's like, really like that though. it just kind of feels like they would have been like drunk a lot and they're probably like really young were they young some of when them were together um some people were really really young mm. and when i say really young i would say late 30s early 40s mm-hmm. but back then that's like old yeah yeah you know what i'm saying lifespan was like relatively low back then people weren't living up to like 80 but wasn't everybody just like drunk back in the day you know that's what they would lead us to believe and i'm sure like there were people who weren't drunk all the time (laughs) benjamin franklin our founding father he believed in this thing they call temperance which is just like everything has to be done in balance so so he probably was the one who was like oh i'm getting a little sauced maybe i should stop (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe you know a guy like paul revere or sam adams you know there's what i mean beer named after him so he probably was drunk as that's hell that's all i know about sam adams is that there's a beer called sam adams that, and it's that, not that'll that tell great. you how drunk he was that's it you that's, know? A, that's goals actually right someone to name a beer after me big facts big facts but this this whole mythology about like how clean and perfect they are has been something that like really stuck with me and what it did for me as an adult, it made me like kind of force myself to like figure out who these men really were, especially when you learn about later folks in history. And like, obviously, because they're more modern, you learn more about their criticism or how imperfect they were. Right. Well, like, and a bunch of founding fathers have like children who were their slaves children yeah let's talk about it let's (laughs) talk about it so so george washington so we're gonna go through all of them yeah let's let's go so when we're talking about the founding fathers we're just gonna talk about like the main like six guys okay so george washington alexander hamilton benjamin franklin john adams sam adams thomas jefferson james madison and john jay we're gonna talk about those guys it's more than six but it's more than six yeah i went to law school <laughs> didn't go to math school didn't i i i didn't cover math for a while <laughs> math was undergrad so i'm a little rusty <laughs> but yeah so let's talk about him so george washington he's known for being the father of the country mm-hmm. he was commander in the french and indian war fighting for the british he resented taxes and restrictions on the colonies by the british so he's like heroic figure because you know, what can i say i find this like really funny and i'm sure we'll get into this more in another episode but like the way america was founded around this idea of not paying tax to the british and then the fact that america is one of the only countries in the world that taxes its citizens who live overseas hey. like it's one of two i think i think we've talked about it before it's yeah. like one of two countries that like taxes its citizens i have a friend who's american never lived here they pay tax they can't vote the longer you here the more hypocrisy you discover. That's <laughs> so what, what we're doing. Yeah. So George Washington was in hmm. charge of the Continental Army during the Revolutionary War. You know, he was overwhelmingly elected as the first president. But what we don't talk about as much, I think we talk about it sometimes when we talk about the Revolutionary War. We talk about how George Washington was getting his ass kicked by the British Wait, in the early parts of I the Now I think I know this from War. Hamilton, right? Yes. Yeah. They yeah. were getting smoked. Uh-huh. They was getting smoked. And they was calling the French like, yeah, we need backup. Can you help? Things kind of turned around, I would say, 
what is it, the Battle of Yorktown? Was like one of those. 17th. Yeah. <laughs> That's when things started turning around for them. Um, he lost. He actually lost more battles than he won. Then he finally was able to, you know, expel the British, get rid of the British and stuff like that. But we also don't talk about enough about the fact that George Washington was definitely a slave owner. Yeah. Like mad slaves. He was super slaving. Super slaving. <laughs> he was out here wilding. Okay. He was out here wilding. And then also the fact that although George Washington, we talk about him like he's this guy that was like so American, da da da, and like super behind the revolution. Like he had to be convinced to join the Constitutional Convention. Like he had to be convinced <laughs> to join to be the head of it. Like he was like, yo, I actually don't really want parts of this shit like that, like that. They were like, yo, we need you <laughs> to pull up. You really? Know I mean? Yeah. Like he was, he had to be convinced to do it. You think that's why people like him? Because he was a like, I always feel like the people who are seeking leadership and not the people who should be in positions of leadership. Yeah. So it's like, maybe that's why he's so popular. You know, he was like actually in it for the right reasons. I guess. I just feel like they talk about George Washington as if he had this super sense of urgency in freeing us from the British. Mm. But like he like always had to be convinced to do some shit. Like he was president. He was like, I just want to go home. <laughs> like they were like, be president. He's like, I just want to go home. He's the reason why like we have the eight years. Like if George Washington was like, yeah, I'm going to stick it out for another like eight years. We would have had 16 year presidents. You know what I mean? Like, he's the one that set the eight-year standard. He was like, this shit is just too much. I'm trying to go to the crib and just hang out at Mount Vernon. I never wanted this job in the first place. Y'all keep telling me y'all need me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So so, so that's that's George Washington. So wait, who's on Mount Rushmore? Is he one of the people on Mount He's one of the people on Mount Rushmore, yes. The Mount Rushmore, I think, only has presidents. Okay. It's George Washington. It's Abraham Lincoln. Thomas Jefferson, I think, is one of them. And Theodore Roosevelt. So that's the four on Mount Rushmore. But then we have Alexander Hamilton. Yep. If y'all listen to the bonus episode, y'all going to really enjoy what we said about him. But for those <laughs> who aren't, um, but those who aren't on the Patreon, Alexander Hamilton is like, you know, he's he's the quintessential, like, American come-up story. Yes. You know, so he's born poor illegitimate um orphan from a sex worker not even from here yeah he's from the british west indies right but he comes here and he works really hard and he's smart so then he becomes the aide de camp to washington Washington during the war he's a strong supporter of central government he attends the constitutional convention he writes the federalist papers that convince everybody that they should you know rock with this constitution and ratify it, and he creates the first national bank of the United States as the Treasury Secretary. And then we obviously talk about the greatest beef in history between him and and Aaron Burr, and and that he gets shot and dies. Yeah. But what we don't talk about is this dude was out here cheating on his wife. Surely was. That's why he never became president, because they was like, yo, if you run for president, he was shooing for president after Washington. Shooing. Everybody's like, word, that's my guy. Most powerful dude. He's lit. And then his opponents, they were like, yo, if you even think about running, 
We telling everybody. But they told everybody in the end anyway, no? Yeah, but like, I mean, that's what you get. Yeah. Well, I mean. Should have said no. Should have stayed home. Should have said no to this. Should have said no to this. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So we don't talk about that enough. And we don't, we also don't talk about how even after he was kind of like expelled kind of from the political world, how he still like tried to influence politics Mm -hmm. from his well, that's house the, up in Harlem. Yeah, that's the papers and stuff, right? Um, that's not the Federalist Papers. That's, that's something separate. That's okay. just him just like getting behind folks. Like a, a part of the reason why he was shot and killed was because he was influencing an election. Aaron Burr was running for office. He was running for governor of New York and he was running against Alexander Hamilton's father-in-law. And they were like, yeah, like, um, who do you support? Alexander Hamilton. Okay, so wait. I'm thinking about the musical. Yes. I feel like doesn't Burr take over from his father-in-law and then he's running against someone else, Jefferson, for president. I think. That's for president. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, di- this that's is the co- beef that got Hamilton killed, I thought. Nah, that's not the beef. Oh, I that's, thought that was the beef that got him that killed. That was like one of the beefs. Okay, but there's a lot of beefs. Like his beef with Aaron Burr. Is, oh, it's like, it's deep. It's deep. This is some deep shit yeah, right yeah. here. But he definitely endorsed Jefferson against Yes, Hamilton, he did. Yes, Burr. he did. Because um, I've seen the musical. But this is after, like, Aaron Burr is like, all right, cool, I lose the presidency. It's Hamilton's fault, but you know what, whatever. Burr goes, says, I'm going to run for governor of New York because, you know, I made Chase Water Company. I'm lit. Everybody know me in New York. I'm lit, dude. I'm, a, I'm finna run. And Alexander Hamilton's father-in-law was running and he was like yeah i'm not endorsing burr because like in so many words he's a bum wrote it in the papers burr was like yo you writing about me in the papers calling me a bum see me in edgewater new jersey (laughs) it's on i challenge you to a duel and that's that's what got him killed that's what got him killed so we don't talk about that part enough you know what i mean then benjamin franklin he's just the all-around superhero you know, he's a renaissance man. He's an author. He's a painter. He's like the guy, scientist, inventor, diplomat, civic project manager of Philadelphia. He's the man. He's appointed to the five-member committee that um, drafted the Declaration of Independence, what we call the Committee of Five. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a cult-ass name. Yeah, yeah. Like, like it's it's actually, like, really it cool. It actually does sound... Talk about them. I didn't talk about this at the beginning, but actually, I'm going to bring it up now. You know, the original Battlestar Galactica was actually created by, more, like, a Latter-day Saints guy. And so they have, like, the Quorum of Twelve and stuff. That's, like, Mormon shit. The Committee shit. of Five. hmm Yeah. It sounds very similar yeah, to the Quorum of Twelve. Yeah, you can definitely look it up. You can pull it up some more. You can pull it up. The, Google the Committee of Five. I'm telling you, man, this is, like, folklore. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Traveled to France. Benjamin Franklin traveled to France to secure the French assistance for the war. So he's part of the reason why the French came and saved George Washington ass mm. when he was getting his ass kicked. I mean, he helped negotiate the Treaty of Paris that ended the Revolutionary War. Benjamin Franklin was the France guy. I thought yeah. Thomas Jefferson did a lot of stuff with France too, though, no? He did some yeah. things with France, but like Benjamin Franklin was like the, the French guy. dude. He mm. was like in France for mad long, probably bagging mad French women, just chilling. Also, he presented to the Constitutional Convention before his death. But yes, he was in France for mad years with his slave lover, probably bagging other French chicks too. Because he was like 
he's like popular in France. Also, we don't even talk about Benjamin Franklin's early life. We really don't be talking about that. And what happened in his early Benjamin life? Franklin actually used to live in Boston. Okay. And I don't know what happened between him and his uncle. They used to run a paper together. I don't know what happened between him and his uncle, but this motherfucker got ran out of town and ended up in Philly. He's not a Philly native. They ran his ass out of town for whatever reason. I don't know why. I mean, it seems to have worked out for him. It worked out for him, obviously. <laughs> and, you know, back then you could run out of town and start a new life and become lit. Fucking, I'm sure why somebody... Why did we invent the internet is what I want to know. I'm because, trying to run out of town yeah. sometimes. <laughs> start a new life somewhere else. I mean, I went to the other side of the world, but uh, they Yo, don't catch up with you. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? So, Benjamin Franklin, yeah, we don't talk about how he got ran out of town when he was real, real young, wilding. We don't even know what he did to get run out of town. He's Benjamin Franklin. He's perfect. I love Benjamin Franklin. Like, you know... Like, okay, so out of all the founding, why do you call money Benjamins? Because he's on a $100 bill. I see. Okay. He's the second person who's not a president on a major dollar bill. Mm. He got the 100. He got the, got the 10. Got the 10. It feels yes. the wrong way around for the... Hey, look. guy who founded the banks, but look, yeah. but Americans don't like banks. The first bank of the United States got like destroyed. Like they literally was like no more, no more central bank. It was Andrew Jackson, I think, who got rid of that. They tried to bring a second bank. Jackson got rid of that. We had a whole period of banking called free banking or wildcat banking where everybody just had their own bank and Banks were issuing their own money. It was crazy. It was like 30 years of just craziness. So the next one we have is John Adams. John Adams was the second president. He was a Massachusetts lawyer. He was on like a bunch of committees. He also was on the Committee of Five. Oh, I feel like we need spooky music playing with that. <laughs> the Committee of Five. <laughs> he also went to France to get assistance in the war he also helped negotiate the treaty of paris he drafted the massachusetts constitution so he had constitutional experience different does, does <laughs> massachusetts still have a constitution i'm sure at this point the constitution might have been amended for massachusetts but still like this was when massachusetts was a colony yeah so he drafted that also he was like a diplomat abroad for 10 years um and then came back to be a uh, vice president under washington President, then vice president, or vice president? He was, president? He was vice president yeah. and became president. president. Yeah, because yeah. Alexander Hamilton yeah, yeah. was cheating on his wife. So he became the second president. And then he died on July 4th. Oh, really? Is yeah. that why July 4th is on July 4th? July 4th is the day that the Declaration of Independence was like released. That's when I the mixtape dropped. I thought it was the, the aliens, when we defeated the aliens. If the aliens, if the aliens <laughs> are the British, sure. <laughs> But, like, that's when the mixtape dropped, you know, July 4th, 1776. So he and I think Thomas Jefferson also both died, like, on the same day, on July 4th. Yeah, it's, like, real weird. But maybe that's just, maybe he didn't. Maybe that's just part of Yeah, maybe that's all just Who a knows? story y'all have been sold. Who knows? Who knows? He's Who like, knows? when I die, tell them it was July 4th. Tell them it was yesterday. <laughs> I bet. You know? So there's that. But, like, we also don't talk about the fact that John Adams was not a very, very strong leader. No, I mean, I knew that from Hamilton, the musical. Oh, okay. Because they like, really? This guy? Like, seriously? Not a very strong leader. Not charismatic. Also, very, very, 
very elitist, which is like not really American. Isn't it? Uh. <laughs> Depends on how you define elitist. But but the way we talk about the founding fathers is as if they were like fucking regular townsmen who yeah, kind of yeah. just got up and said, yeah, we going to just fight for everybody. Not nah, like in America, like it's like one of the what I found was quite striking when I was first here is that no matter what the event is, like even if it's like a free like community thing, you can always pay your way to getting like a better thing, which is like not a thing you can do in other countries. Like in America, it, it, it's it's got an elitist elitism to it. Yeah, it's just not like the, it's not the story of the founding fathers. It's not royalty. Yeah, but it's kind of you kind it's of do like, have royalty. You kind of do like. It, you worship at the altar of celebrity or like millionaires or like billionaires. Sure, or, you but know? it's not based on blood. No. Well, it's getting that way. But yes, you're right. right. I, get, I, I take your point. But but John Adams is from like fucking pilgrim rich blood. Pilgrim blood. Yeah. He's like, he's from Massachusetts generational elite. Like if you look at any of the founding fathers, and you see where they went to college. Like, I think George Washington might be one of the only ones that didn't, like, go to, like, college, proper college. He went to, like, military academy, I think. But, like, fucking Aaron Burr went to Princeton. Alexander Hamilton went to King's College, which is now Columbia. A bunch of these motherfuckers was going to Harvard and shit. John Adams went to Harvard. Like, these motherfuckers been lit. And they was lit when there was no... But Nothing to be the lit same at. Thing happens, the same thing happens now. People, you know, want to play the everyman, but then they've got, like, a degree from Harvard. It's, yeah. it's you know what I'm saying? So, like, so there's that. So that's him. Sam Adams, the guy we said who was lit all the time. Northerner, anti-slavery, fomented opposition to British policies in Boston, joined the Sons of Liberty. Basically, the Sons of Liberty was, like, the Illuminati, but okay. just, like, causing mad trouble and shit. Wait, wait, what do you mean by that? Well, they did the Boston Tea Party. Oh, they're the Boston Tea Party guys. They're the Boston Tea Party. And you know, like, the Boston Tea Party was, like, the equivalent of last summer's, like... Insurrection. George Floyd Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, the level of looting? Yeah, it was, like, that was, like, looting. They went to a ship and literally kicked down all the British tea and was like, yeah, we doing that shit. Like, but, like, I go to Chanel... And fucking break in, give me a Chanel bag. You're a bad guy. I'm like, what about the Sons of fucking Liberty? What about them? <laughs> These motherfuckers, you know how much tea was worth back then? Shit, more than a Chanel bag, I'll tell you that. Like, you know, so it's like, you know, whatever. People say he likely is the planner behind it. He was arrested in 1775. And because he was arrested, people say that it's likely that that's what started, like, the battles of Lexington and Concord which are, like, the first battles of the Revolutionary War. So, like, this dude was so lit that when they arrested him, they said, all right, cool, we finna fight the British now. They locked my man up. They locked my man up. Nah, him. But, yeah, he was he was anti-slavery, which is, like, very, like, it's like being, like, super liberal back then. You know, because, like, even before the country was founded, they had slavery. So for you to be anti-slavery back then, it's like, they might, they might as well call them a communist. But whatever it was, um, he was one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence, and he served as governor of Massachusetts. So um, I haven't really found much bad on Sam Adams. 
He just seemed like an overall pretty good guy. Pretty good guy. But we don't talk about him enough in the founding fathers. We talk about the other guys. The guys who are doing bad shit. The guys who had some weird shit going yeah. on. Yeah, but we don't talk about this guy. He really does sound very Bostonian. Like yeah. completely Bostonian. Like he's out fighting. <laughs> like right. drinking beer. Drinking beer. Being causing rowdy. trouble. Feels super, super Boston to me. Yeah. Super Boston. The next person we're gonna talk about is Thomas Jefferson, third president. Also very well educated. I think he went to Princeton too, or he went to Harvard, one of them. He also made the University of Virginia and like burned all his money doing it. Like he went broke really? building that shit. Like yeah. after he was president or before? Like after he was president. He was like, I'm building this shit. It's going to be popping. Is it a good and university? He, it's one of the best schools in the country. Yeah. So the, it better be. Is it shit. Ivy League? Nah, it's not Ivy League because it's a public school. All Ivy Leagues are private schools. What they do is they call it a public Ivy. Just, you know, just to give it like a Ivy stamp. You know, but but UVA is like one of the best schools in the country. But yeah, he burned all his money building it. And like, if you go there, it's like, it's like a very like, a rich dude built this shit kind of campus. <laughs> Obviously, he is the main penner of the Declaration of Independence. So he's also on the but I think we talk about this a lot more than the other founding fathers. He was a slave holder. I think he is the one that I've heard about. Freed his slaves. Kids. Sally Hemings. He was out here with Sally Hemings heavy and had kids with her and was in France like, this is my team. I, I got black kids. Like, he was out here, out here. But, like, we talk about it often. He's the only founding father where I actually hear this conversation in great depth. Yeah, I've like I've seen it yeah. around. Like, I think there was like he a, actually still has ancestors alive. Yeah, yeah, and black ancestors. Yes, yeah, yes. People who he is the ancestor descendant. Of. Descendants. descendants is what the word we were descendants. For. He has black descendants. Yes, who yes. Are still alive today. Yeah, he was obviously Secretary of State under Washington. Beefed with Hamilton a lot, but it was just about like politics. No guns. No guns involved. One. But some say he was the, involved in the scandal the uh, whole snitching on ah. alexander hamilton which is why and they say that alexander hamilton penned under another name about thomas jefferson shorty the slave oh, really yeah so like the reason why this both of their joints got out is because they was beefing <laughs> he was like where are you gonna tell on me i'm gonna tell on you then yeah but like secretly under under a different pen name. How many pen energy. names do you think Alexander Hamilton Probably had? Probably a bunch. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. It's pretty funny. It's like you see that happen now where people are trying to create hype and like arguments on their own pages. And then yeah. you've seen like sometimes they forget to log out of their own account. Yeah. Like, I saw one the it's other like day. It's like burners. Yeah. It's like burner Twitter. <laughs> yeah. It was out here like, yo, I heard, <laughs> I heard Thomas Jefferson got married a slave. Retweet. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? And Thomas Jefferson's like, I heard Alexander Hamilton got <laughs> six girlfriends. Tweet. Like, that's what it was. You know what I'm saying? Under under burner accounts. You know what? That's a that's a freaking Twitter account right there. Let's just set up a whole bunch of founding father accounts and beef. Just beef with each other. But that's what it was. Yeah. But we don't talk about that when we talk about the founding fathers. Oh no, they were They were just nice guys who got along and figured out how to run the country. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's why this country runs so seamlessly and without any problems. Right, mm. right. He was vice president to John Adams and then became president in 1801 through a slim victory 
over Aaron Burr, which spiraled into another beef that we spoke about earlier. Then we have James Madison, who is the father of the Constitution, fourth president, also grew up really wealthy, grew up on a Virginia plantation, slaves, you know what I'm saying? Served in the state legislature there. There was actually a, like a slave revolt while he was in, if he wasn't president, I think he was, he either was president or governor of Virginia at the time, but there was like a huge, like slave revolt about to go down. And like, he was like, nah, we got to find these slaves. We got to kill them. Like he was on that energy. I'm um, just shaking my head. And yeah, I realized crazy. we're on an audio medium. It's you crazy. You can't see me shaking my head. It's like crazy. He was highly influential during the Constitutional Convention. I mean, he developed the three branches of government and the checks and balances system. Co-authored the Federalist Papers with Hamilton and was a driving force behind the Bill of Rights as a congressman. But what we don't talk about, especially with the Federalist Papers, is that he really wrote the Federalist Papers and to, to protect the rights and property of rich people. Yep. Federalist Papers number 10, where he talks about the tyranny of the majority against the minority. Mm-hmm. And some people read this and they read it from today's perspective. They're like, oh, yeah, he's just trying to protect the rights of the lower amount of people, you know, and, you know, like black people's rights are protected as a result of the tyranny of the majority because majority whites like and look at us and it's like nah if you actually read it from the perspective of back then he's like nah if we let everybody vote to take the land and rights away from rich people they just would so we have (laughs) to create a system where we don't let them do that and that is like ingrained in the way we vote yeah like it's the reason why we have this like electoral college system and shit the electoral college stuff is it's yeah exactly where people who could grab other people's private parts could win because electoral college votes for them i mean the whole voting fanfare like a it's it's like always an election even though it's not because like even when it's not an election it's still an election okay so here's how it works in australia we have parties that choose their leaders right Mm -hmm. and then they're like hey this is our leader this is our party so you're voting for a party not a leader and then you vote and if you vote for a minority party, they get like a seat in government. Yeah. And then they like form like two, like they, they, they form a coalition government based on like who has votes. Yeah. But like, and I'm, look, I'm not going to say Australia is perfect because we keep ditching our prime ministers and really we should ditch this one. But like, it's just like you vote and then, and then everybody has to vote and then they count the votes and then like people who win, win. Whereas here it's like, there's all this fanfare, there's like primaries and then we're choosing like who's part of that. And then you're doing all this crazy shit in town halls with all of these people who, like, don't represent America at all. And then, like, yeah. I, I think I'm talking about something different, but I don't know what like, I'm talking so about. Like, so, in a very weird way, so, so, so first, there's, like, people who announce they're running. Then after there's people who announce they're running, then there's, like, conventions. There's the Democratic National Convention and then the Republican National Convention. And all these people, like, give speeches and shit. And then you have to get what they call delegates. So these fucking delegates say, we pledge to you, or we pledge to that guy. And whoever gets the most delegates becomes the person. I think whoever gets the top two or the top one, they become the person that represents everybody. Then they got a primary. (laughs) 
This shit is fucking crazy. The amount of money that is wasted on the oh, fucking yeah. American—it's oh, a business. Though. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's a business. It's a business. So, like, so usually the primaries help people, right? <laughs> sometimes they primary before a convention. Sometimes they do a convention before a primary. And you have to Who be a registered. The, you gotta register voter, as the party, which is also like, yeah, really strange. Yeah, because it's like I'm registering as a Democrat. But, like, I can't vote for... But I can vote for the Republican Well, the party. reason why you can't vote for another primary is because you're part of another party. So, like, you're not with us, so why are you voting for who we like? Yeah, but, like, if you're registered Democrat, like, isn't that your vote? I don't know. It's just, like, it's it's just this the, the system in this country is wild. Well, we we got to do an episode on voting. But guess what? That's James Madison. Yeah, being like, let's just make this shit complicated. This is how we protect our friends. The minority rich guys. Mm-hmm. So so that's his bad part. Then we got John Jay, the first chief justice of the United States. It's a cool name. Very cool name. Mm. There's a college in New York named after him. My dad went to school there. Obviously, first chief justice. He actually has like one of the most like memorable cases in U.S. jurisprudence history. It's called Marbury v. Madison. It's probably one of the most complicated Supreme Court opinions ever. It's also the first, I think it's the first one. And essentially, this is my opinion after reading it mad fucking times. It's very useful um, because what it does is it creates, it creates the structure. It's the first time we interpret the structure of the three branches and we also identify the role of the Supreme Court or the judicial branch within the three branches. But, like, this motherfucker wrote it, in my opinion, I think he wrote it, like, on some political shit. Like, he was just like, yo, like, the new president is Thomas Jefferson, and I got to deal with this motherfucker. <laughs> and he don't want this Marbury guy in there, and this Marbury guy is going to get on his fucking nerves. And, like, if I side with this Marbury dude, he's not going to like me. So I'm going to say I can't do anything about it. <laughs> so that's it. So that's how he, like, saves his own ass. And then now we live with the consequences. And, of and like, that. now, like, the Supreme Court, he essentially gives, like, he's the first person to, like, give the Supreme Court a scapegoat on certain shit. And, like, the Supreme Court been scapegoating on certain decisions ever since. Like, they just don't be hearing cases sometimes. They be like, I don't feel like hearing that. So That's, let's we just heard make, that a lot with our episode last week. Yeah, let's just, you like, know. Pledge of Allegiance seems complicated. Let's skip that. That's crazy mm. how I'm not hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. That's crazy how I don't got to hear that. Let's, let's send that away. He's essentially the creator of, I don't feel like it. <laughs> um, so there's that. Also, um, he was governor of New York. But what we don't talk about enough is he actually was anti-independent. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. Fuck the British. He's like, what you mean, fuck the British? <laughs> the whole war is going on. They're like, what do you think? He's like, yo, the motherfuckers is crazy for that. <laughs> and Dan changes his mind during the war. And he serves as a diplomat to Spain. So this guy's probably like, and, and like, interestingly enough, when you think about the actual war, like the Revolutionary War was very much like that. Like he is not an anomaly. It's just weird that he's a founding father, but 
he's not an anomaly because like during the Revolutionary War, there were a bunch of people who we called the loyalists, right? Where you were just a British loyalist. You were loyal to the crown. And then there was obviously the revolutionaries, the people who lived here and was like, fuck the motherfuckers. But then eventually what ended up happening was people were just like, fuck it. We in this, they here, they tearing shit up. We, you either pick a side or you don't. So more people started moving toward the side of revolution. But interestingly enough, like he is very, he is very interesting because early in American Supreme Court cases, we had cases where people, federal government or state governments were like, word, you was loyal to the British crown. So we're just going to take your shit. We're just going to take your fucking land from you because the British lost bitch. And then he, <laughs> and they would sue. They would sue the United States government. And he like made a decision. Like he made one of the, I forgot the case name, but he made a decision like, nah, just because somebody was a loyalist or just because you can't take away their land. You can't take away their land. You got to let them keep it. Even if they're still like, if they're British and they want to stick around, you got to let them keep their shit. You know, what's funny. Like Australia is still obviously under the monarchy. Yeah. And like, Oh, fun fact. And I don't know if this is the case anymore because it like became a popular knowledge thing and I'm sure people exploited it, but it used to be that like every citizen of Australia had the right to ask the government for a portrait of the queen. Oh, wow. So you could just like literally write a letter and be like, hey, I want my portrait. And like they have to send you a portrait of the queen. I think it's like that and an Australian flag or something. Anyway, I think Australians are just too fucking lazy though. Like they, they keep having referendums on it. Like they're like, should we, you know, become independent from the queen? Because like, We've had governor generals dispose of our prime ministers before. Like we've literally had like the governor general who was like the proxy for the queen has one of our most liberal, like most like progressive president uh, prime ministers was deposed by him. Oh wow! He he was just like, no, nah, I don't like what you're doing. So that's like that's like the so the queen get, has the power to like yeah the that's queen like has the, the power president to just, getting fired. Like, yeah. Yo, yeah, we don't like what the fuck you're doing. Exactly. Right now, yeah, and so you'd think that we wouldn't want to be under the queen, but I think Australians is too lazy. We'd have to do a lot. We have to like change our money, like our whole system of government. Like yeah. it's like it's a big That's I, actually a big that's I, actually <laughs> not lazy. Like, you should I'm take that back. For, I, I, yeah, I'm like I'm kind of for Australian independence and then I can but I can see why everyone's like, ah, oh, but do They're we like, have yo, to do you know what we gotta do? It's like, you know, I have these friends who were getting married and they they wanted to like amalgamate their names. So his name was O'Neill and her name was Chen and they wanted to be like the O Chens. They thought that would be really fun. And then they saw how much paperwork it was and they're like, when neither of us are gonna good. change our names. We're it's good. just a lot of paperwork. Keep that shit. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's just administratively difficult. And I think that's where Australia is with our relationship that to just sounds the queen. Real, that sounds real James Madison-esque. <laughs> yeah. Yo, just kill him with bureaucracy. <laughs> so so that's the interesting thing with John Jay. John Jay was anti-independence. Even during the war, he finally changed his stance during the war. But yeah, he was like, yo, fuck this. Y'all, y'all are crazy for going against the crown. <laughs> and then he came first chief justice essentially like allowed people who were loyal to like he protected their land so that's like the pros and cons or the goods and the bads of the founding fathers of the founding fathers which through this learning experience is really just told all right these motherfuckers are just human you know what i'm saying well yeah that's the thing yeah they're just human instead of these fucking superheroes y'all told us they were when we were kids
Hi, my name is Frankie and I am from New York City. I am a Puerto Rican and my idea on what the founding fathers were is they were, you know, I think they meant well in general when it came to all the the rights and rules that they created and some of the actions that have been done on this land was the concept of protection and creating a new world for them in which they can live in comfort and ease and security. But obviously, some of these things, they forgot about POCs and women in general when it came to creating this new world that would be fit for them. And that's exactly what it was. It was really fit for the general concept of who the founding fathers were, which the large majority of them were were white men of privilege. And it was just something that they thought they were doing good on. But who would have thought that it would be something that we would carry on for for centuries and decades and just keep carrying on time, like something that is so old and processed that we, to this day, our government protects these ideas and we continue to have problems with trying to shift the thought process of what the founding fathers have laid down for us as a country and as a system that still continues to exclude women's rights and just the consideration of women and still has that segregation of what POC culture and people were back then. It's still something that's underlined in the system to this day. And it's really because the founding fathers created it, but at the same time, the people who came after them that were supposed to continue this legacy of creating a better new world for everyone, they just continue failing because they hold on to these ideals I just don't understand why. Do they feel safer that way? Do they feel, you know, that they're upholding tradition or what America is supposed to be in? The simple answer is no, because obviously our agenda as a country has changed. Back then we were, you know, breaking away from Europe and now it's like, what the hell are we doing now? We're trying to make this country strong and unified and one nation under God, quote unquote, like jumping into the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, it's something that's not being upheld because these ideals are just, it's just something that people just can't shake off. Like we need to, we need to adapt and we need to change what obviously thanks founding fathers, but at the same time, you know, as a country, we definitely got it all wrong. And I think we should have been able to shift that and create a new concept or a new interpretation of what the founding fathers have laid out for us. It's just, we, we still have a long way to go. It's, it's very much two steps forward, two steps back to me. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. At least Lin-Manuel got to do Hamilton with a bunch of POCs. Let's see if we could transition that kind of concept of diversity in the system in real life. <laughs> Who knows what the future holds? Hi, my name is Mike. I was born in Canada, but uh, raised in the United States, lived here all my life. And, you know, when I was a kid and we learned about the founding fathers in school, they were heroes. They were lionized. They were mythical. These amazing figures who, you know, started the American Revolution and helped to create the greatest country in the history of the world. Now, we know all that's not true. There's a lot of great countries in America is not 
the greatest country in the history of the world. And the founding fathers were deeply, deeply flawed men. Many of them owned slaves. Many of them were very racist. Many of them had sexual and financial improprieties. Some of them were just crazy. Benjamin Franklin apparently liked to walk around in the nude with his windows open and take air baths, as he called them. But these men and others like them managed to set aside their flaws, set aside their differences, set aside everything that held them back and unite the 13 colonies and strive towards something greater than themselves. Together, they were stronger than they had any right to be. And to me, that is really kind of what America is about. We are at our best when we are united, when we're together, when we put aside our differences and strive together to make things better. My name is Ariel McCoy. And to be honest, as a Black woman, I don't really think about the Founding Fathers too often, mainly because when they created this country, they didn't really have me in mind. So, I mean, they're just historical figures that don't really have much significance to me beyond that. The other interesting hypocritical thing about the founding fathers and history in general is that we tend to idealize historical figures and ignore a lot of their shortcomings. For example, some of them, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, etc., owned slaves. Who knows? They could have owned one of my descendants. I looked far enough. Or the fact that Thomas Jefferson had children with a slave. He has black people walking around this country who are direct descendants of his lineage. And they don't really get the acknowledgement and recognition that they deserve. Hi there, my name is Spencer. I come from Longmont, Colorado, which is a suburb of Boulder. It's still very Republican, though. And I currently live in New York City. I think that the Founding Fathers would be incredibly disgusted to see where uh, the world, and specifically the United States, is at right now because of how much we have become exactly what they were escaping when they left the UK to be able to create this idea of a new world because of the way that it's so filled with religious ideology and the way that people's lives are being controlled. I think that it's not at all what they wanted the world to end up being here over 200 years later. This is where we're at. My name is Ian. I'm from Michigan and I currently live in Massachusetts. I would say I'm pretty connected to the founding fathers. I hold a lot of their beliefs very true and near and dear to my own, although not some of the more cringy things that they did, but their view for America and how they brought that forward to help shape and put together this weird country of rebels who just shook off their leadership from before. Recently, through vast amounts of study, a lot of our founding fathers have been taken off that holier-than-thou pedestal and brought down onto the same level as regular people like you and I that freaks people out. It doesn't freak me out. I appreciate that. I like that. I like knowing that these people who went forward and did amazing things to start our nation were also knuckleheads like you and me. They were people who made bad decisions. It's just their other stuff got praised so much. The really shitty things they did kind of got swept under the rug or 
written in a smaller font. Now, the font is getting bigger, and these people are going from the high pedestal down to the level of just you and I. But that doesn't change the fact that these few folks got together, put together an army of farmers and skilled crafts workers, and defeated the strongest uniformed military in the world of the time. Pretty amazing. So I find all of the clips really interesting. And I'm so thankful that they sent them in. But there were like a few statements that I was like, what? <laughs> Tell me which statements. <laughs> Spencer's statement about knowing that the founding fathers would be disgusted kind of made me feel weird. The first thing that popped up in my head was like, yo, like, we all know those guys. <laughs> you know? And all we could do is interpret their writings. And by interpreting their writings, we can kind of get an idea of maybe what they meant to say to others, but not necessarily what their true intent was. Or how they would feel. Yeah. But I think that that's interesting because I feel like a lot of the conversations that people have, and like this is like one of my favorite South Park episodes, mm -hmm. people like the founding fathers with this and like people are so certain of what the founding fathers would do. Yeah. And so I really like the authority of that statement of like, they would be disgusted because this is what they were fleeing from. And now we've yeah. got all this religiosity up in our country and like, but like the founding fathers weren't even fleeing from. Oh, I mean the, Amer the idea of America. the pilgrims, yeah, yeah, the, the pilgrims. pilgrims were fleeing from that and the pilgrims were like over a hundred years like, like that was a, over a hundred years before the founding fathers were even born. I think, I think that the, the but the spirit of the, the foundation spirit, of America, yeah, of course, was, the spirit. Yes, you know, we're gonna get away from this, and why are we doing it again? Yeah, and right? now it seems like we're doing it again. I get that, but I'm just like, you know, as much as I like subscribed to that mantra as a kid, as an adult, I'm just like, oh, all this shit is about control and power. Mm. You know what I mean? And and it's like, you need some level of marketing for your control and power. You don't agree that Frankie think they meant well? I thought that was really sweet. I, I think, think it's just, well. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's just in order to get people to go to war and to stay on your side and to rock with you, you kind of have to tell everybody something. You, you got to market your war and all wars are marketed differently. In order to do that, you really have to get the ethos of that. So, like, there were, there were a lot of, like, books and writings. Because, like, during this time, it was the Age of Enlightenment. And, you know, you had Adam Smith who said, look, like, we don't need to, like, we don't need to have men working for nobles anymore. Men can choose their own destiny. All they have to do is create this structure. And then he writes a bunch of books, Theory of Moral Sentiments the wealth of nations and these books if you read them you're like wow like a lot of like this philosophy is written into the storyline of the founding fathers and is written into the declaration of independence the constitution this idea of individual freedom because that's what the age of enlightenment gave us so like but also we have to remember that the Age of Enlightenment was maybe like a, a little less than 200 years after the printing press was created. So like these books that people were reading during this time were like the first 
few books that people were reading, period. Because people weren't reading books like that. Only like really, really like priests and fucking nobles were reading. Mm. Right. So you almost got the marketing materials for your revolutionary war in these books. And you knew what everybody was thinking and how everybody felt because it was novel during that time. Which is why you also had so many other revolutionary wars. Like you had the French Revolution. You had the Haitian Revolution. Like all these revolutions happened around what, like a 20 year period. 1776. Then you have the 1790s. So you're relating this to the printing press? I'm not relating it all to the printing press. I'm just saying that like what we may have been told about the founding fathers. About their good grace and their whatever. And... They would be disgusted at today. I'm just like, I don't know if I fully buy into that. It's all right. That's why we have different opinions. Yeah, I don't know if I fully buy into that. Everybody has a marketing, like has their own marketing. And this is part of the marketing of the founding fathers. So you think that the way they were marketed is like, as Frankie said, like they meant well, but then like realistically it was all about power and control. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the Federalist Papers, like, you know what it is? Like, I'm fucking jaded. I went to fucking law school. <laughs> like, like, and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, when you see some of the cases that some of these founding fathers ruled on, like, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, because, like, this case, like, if you read this shit, you really know how fucking John Jay felt about Native Americans. And it was disgusting. But people aren't reading there. It's like it's like everything. And like when I was listening to, you know, Ian, who is a last who actually is a veteran and actually think he still works for the military. It was interesting when I was listening to that, like, hey, he had the most, I guess, like glowy view of the founding fathers, but also just this idea of like them being taken off their pedestal. And it kind of made me think about how COVID has sort of done that with celebrity a little bit. Like everybody's sort of like. Not fully, but, like, even just, like, the late-night shows. Everybody's taken off their suit. They're, like, in their houses. Colbert's, like, unraveling before our eyes, drinking espresso martinis for breakfast. Like, it all kind of felt like everybody was... We kind of took the glow off of things. And I think we've done that a bit with the internet in general. But I thought that that was an, an interesting perspective, too. The idea of written in smaller font and the font is getting bigger. I really right, like that. right, right. No, that's actually a great take. Um, I also think the Ben Franklin, <laughs> the Ben Franklin anecdote is hilarious. Yeah, him taking <laughs> his fucking around. air baths. Oh my god! Walking around naked with the windows open. You don't need the, you don't need the windows open. Close your <laughs> curtains, Jake. That's New York behavior, though. You know, I feel like everybody's walking around without their curtains here. I used to have neighbors like that. He used to just be butt ass naked. I used to be like, Yo, like, <laughs> are y'all good? Like, are y'all good? Like, do y'all not know that? Like, I could see. <laughs> I could see everything. We have to be careful because we're right next to a school. So oh. we like literally our house, like our windows go onto a school. Oh, yeah. So, so them little boys is like. We have to be like like a kid's school. Like we have to up. draw the curtains. We have to be really careful. Guys, 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 guys. <laughs> she's waiting for a complaint. Guys, she's up, guys. <laughs> she's up, guys. <laughs> All right. So there's a case. And this case is called Johnson v. Mintosh. It's about Native Americans who are trying to sell their land to, like, Americans. And John Marshall 
decided that Native Americans cannot sell their own land. Private citizens can only purchase land from the government, period. So, like, if you are a Native American, you do not have the right to sell your own land to anyone else other than the United States federal government. You don't have anything else to say about no, the that's it. founding fathers? I think we're going to end this episode on a fun fact, which I think is interesting. So the more sons a founder had, he supported a stronger, more centralized federal government, and the more daughters he had, less so. Oh. And so we can only speculate, but potentially because sons would benefit from the new governmental power because set up for them or because they assume their sons would occupy the offices and they could carry out the family legacy or because their daughters benefited from more localized power. And that's my fun fact of the day. And let's not get into gender shit again. (laughs) Yo, just saying (laughs) we could. And on that, thanks for listening. Our next full episode, which will be on the migrant experience, is going to be released on November 30th. We're also releasing our first bonus episode next week where we cover Thanksgiving so and just the holidays generally. So look out for that. Cult America is co-hosted and produced by us, Lisa Charlotte and Carl Joseph Black. Our production partner is Three Springs Media. Our research assistant is Thea Smith. Our artwork is by Estella Illustrated and the soundtrack is by King Virtue and So Soon. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps, like really helps. And thank you to everybody who's given us reviews so far. You can also access bonus episodes on Apple using the subscriber feature or on Patreon at patreon.com slash cultusapod. We release bonus episodes there where we cover American movies. This week, in the spirit of the Founding Fathers, we covered Hamilton, which is, we both love. Yo, that shit is fucking great. (laughs) If you want to get in touch, please head over to cultusapod.com where you can leave comments on episodes or contact us through our contact form. You can also find us on Twitter at cultusapod. We've had some people ask about our Instagram. We are not on Instagram, but you can follow our network at this is number three SM. So this is three SM. Or you can follow Carl, who gives amazing financial advice at C. Well, not not advice. Oh no, it's financial news, y'all. Financial news. Don't my get me bad. locked up. Don't get me locked uh, up, please. At C. Joe J. O. E. Black. If you want to be featured in an upcoming episode, please send a voice clip to the email address in our show notes, which is UncleSam at cultusapod.com. The next topic that we're talking about is the mythical norm. So if you have thoughts mm. about that, please let us know. Finna see y'all next week. Or next two weeks. Fortnightly. We're gonna see him next week. Fortnightly. We're gonna see him next week. We got the bonus episode. <laughs> oh yeah, true, thing. true, true. So we will that. speak to you next week. Facts. Or even sooner if you find us on Patreon. Word. I said my ancestors ain't fight for me to be taking shit from no crackers. I said, I said, I said my ancestors ain't fight for me to be taking shit from no crackers. Got that bishop up in they chest. That's what got me king and queen captured. Running through the shoots and climbing up ladders. Trying to duck the noose they used to free saggers. Traveling the roots to move to free status. Had to be the best at hide and seek. Shamalama. My ancestors ain't die for me to be answering to no masters.